I've, I've got this kind of this idea. Truths as a child, they become these foundational truths. I think of these, these stones and you go, oh, well, what are these the stones that become the foundation for my kid? It, one, you're giving your kid these stones, whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. So make sure you know what they are and make sure you know what you want to pass on to them. Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to the Deeper Podcast. Uh, This week, Mo is somewhere sunning himself on a beach with his wife, but I didn't want to be all alone, so I have... Uh, invited Joey Prophet, who leads our Kidmen, and whoop, <laughs> whoop, <laughs> and, uh, and Joel Kelly, who leads our youth ministry, our youth pastor, our kids pastor, in the same room, which means this is actually going to be really fun. Um, no pressure, right? No pressure at all. Uh, and part of what we wanted to talk about this week was, uh, I mean, you guys lead literally like half of our church when you think about it when you when you start adding the numbers mm. like you guys had what a hundred how many kids were there last wednesday night we Joel? had 152 bodies in the oh, youth room man yep dude i'll bet that was because that's not that large of a room no what was the smell salty sour axe body spray axe body and spray yeah oh yeah because you got middle schoolers in yeah. there joey are they wearing axe body spray by the time like when they're the older ones in yours no um i we got clean kids. I would Do not we? say that smell that we ever deal with smell, unless you go on like overnight yeah. or a camp thing. I'm just saying that when you get them, it's like a, so think about a bread basket. They put hot rocks <laughs> in it, right? So if in the average person, you know, you're 98, 97 degrees right now. Mm-hmm. So you put 130, you know, 100 degree kids in a room, it'll warm the temperature up in a hurry in there, which, you know, the scent by the, you know, this is evening. So I, I don't know. I just when you walk, let me put it differently. When you walk into a tour bus, yeah, right. Yeah. There's just a scent that's not quite locker room, and not quite barn, but somewhere right in the middle of it. Especially, so I didn't know if in that smaller room if they would if they warmed it up. But so 130 kids there, and then Joey on Sundays, you've got a couple hundred as well. Yeah, uh, I think not this Sunday, but the one before we had our first like hundred plus in both. It was like. 118, 105. That's crazy. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I look at pictures from four or five years ago and, some, you know, these same kids that are in the youth ministry, and you're going, that 25 felt, man, we got over the 20 mark in one of our hours. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, this is working. Yeah. And that's like one corner now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I, the dynamics are, sh- you know, shifting. Yeah. Like, okay, the stuff that worked with 20 and then 50, then 70, you you cross a threshold and you go, do I have to relearn like oh, yeah. how to yeah. manage a group? I thought I was really good at it. And then you go, okay, <laughs> now I got to manage 22 more right, know, kids right. and a thing. It's, it's wild. Yeah. One of the things, I don't know if you guys have thought about this before, but when this is, this is something unique to being a youth uh, and kidmen in Nashville specifically, mm-hmm. there are kids in your group right now that very, very likely, very possibly will become the lead singers of multi-platinum selling artists in about 10 years. 
That's weird to think about. Right? Yes. Put that in your pipe and smoke. <laughs> like, we're all thinking, are they going to be teachers? Are they going to be... Um, so in the early 2000s, I was uh, a volunteer youth guy uh, at a church over on Seaboard Lane. I was managing rock bands by day and, you know, was leading this little youth group that we ended up building um, a skate park out back of the building. Let's go. Technically illegal, but we were able to, like, zip it up at night. Uh, it was a feat of engineering. But but in that youth group, um, Haley and Jeremy, uh, who would later become Paramore, mm-hmm. were part of the youth group. No, you're lying. What color hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maroon. Uh, that would have been her natural color. So it was. I was red, as I recall. Okay. I remember that she was super tiny. Like you could have mm-hmm. unzipped me and put her inside. Like she was so little. Oh yeah, tiny. And they had uh, Jeremy was uh, the bass player, Jeremy Davis, and he was like a BMX bike kid. Mm-hmm. So he'd show up. You know, all the skaters yeah. were there, and then he would just wreak havoc on his bike. Just nutty stuff crazy stuff uh, and then he would you know put his bike in his car and, and skip youth group that night but um, but yeah so you guys in your group right now oh it's yeah. very you know it's one thing to say that you know because this is another Nashville thing well you know mm-hmm. uh, you're the kids of like a such and such you know lead singer goes to your whatever but uh, but the real mind bender is um, that you know they're going to be you're going to they're going to be the Spotify number one and maybe somewhere in there, you're going to get a little special thanks right, for uh, the investment you made in my life. Oh, I'm going to text them. If they're number one, I'm going to be like, there's no, do uh, you remember me? There's no like cover uh, cover thanks anymore. You don't open up a CD case no. and get yeah, to be on a long so list. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to tell you, though, there, here's, the, here's the upside of that. <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of energy that went into a band and manager or whatever oh, trying to not forget somebody. It's like a wedding. Uh-huh. <clears throat> because you're going to forget somebody and it's going to hurt their feelings. Super bad. Right? Yeah. I'm going to give you another prediction of what could happen in this, by the way. You know, they're going to put you in a special thanks section. The other one is, and uh, I know that Jeremy doesn't listen to this, so I'm going to uh, say this, but uh, Jeremy Davis texted me about a year ago, bass player. He's not the bass player anymore for Paramore. And again, I haven't heard from him for, I don't know, it's been years. And all it says was, hey, bro, are you still making cabinets? Cabinets? Hmm. Hmm. Did you make cabinets? I Never. Oh. I open cabinets and I, cl- well, I don't close them. Um, <laughs> but I, like, and it wasn't like he had the wrong contact in his, but he knew it was Darren Tyler. Mm-hmm. He knew it was me. And are you still making cabinets? And there's not even been an alternate universe in which I was making cabinets Ever. So I don't know if it was that he'd smoked that much weed <laughs> over his career or he, I, I don't know. It just, it, it hurt my feelings for about 30 seconds and I moved on. I was, my first thought was he thought, well, so many people go through the ministry and you come out and they do something very blue collar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right, I thought like fair. he's sitting there going, well, I remember that. Surely he had some side thing that he got real focused because he was dealing with people so much for so many years. You come out and you're like, nope. Just line me up some cabinets, please. I can, I can well, fix those. I can put those on the wall, and I get to leave. I mean, don't get me wrong. There have been times I've you know been on the way in, and I'm looking at a guy on a lawnmower going, man, that'd be nice. Yeah. Oh, for the sure. The lawn's done. Yeah, now, the lawn grows back. But, but, um. but, yeah, but there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you can right. listen to podcasts while you do it. Like, it just felt like, oh, this feels good. So. Yeah, so you know, so yeah, maybe someday you're going to get a text from one of these kids, you know, when you're 35 or 40, asking if you could do their lawn. Would you still do lawns? 
Uh, Joey, are you still <laughs> Absolutely. There? I'll tell you what's weird. I'm sitting in the same room as one of the students that graduated, and he's about to have a baby. Okay, that's fair. So that's that's weird for me. And now yeah. he now he's also a friend. Yeah. Aww. Which, by the way, that is, in, in my estimation, is actually one of the most uh, rewarding parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there'll be others that they want, they want whatever, and um, and then there'll be some that they'll go on and they'll do some stuff. That you're like, wait, I don't know. <laughs> like one of the kids that was in my youth group, um, he and his brother both. His brother was a little bit older, actually, but his brother went on to um, make quite a bit of money. Oh gosh, can I say that? Uh, a a male enhancement clinic. Okay. Now, keeping in mind, he's not. He has no medical degree. Yeah. No experience whatsoever in this, and actually, eventually went on to be like on three or four seasons of The Bachelor. Hmm. Um, oh, I know what you're talking. And about. so I was like, <laughs> but I was, but 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 back then he's like, you know, he's prophesying. Hey, man, you come over. We prophesy over our visitors. I'm like, oh nope, we do not uh, do that here. Like that's not how we do that. Um, but so you know, it's God. We're all in this journey of faith, and you never know uh, the future. But in your room right now, that 130 teenagers, you know, sweaty uh, kids, and 200 and some odd on Sundays. They've all got futures that you guys are investing in. And part of the, actually the main reason I wanted to talk to you guys this week wasn't just to fill time, but like you guys are dealing with stuff. Hmm. Like for me, it was, you know, you go on a camping trip and the biggest drama was, you you know, try to keep them from like sneaking off into the bushes and dry docking with each other. Like you just, you guys need to, you know, keep your hands off each other and be nice. And, um, but now it's like, you're you're literally, and I don't know if it's starting when they're the age when they start with you, Joey. Oh, well, it must be because I know right now in our county, Williamson County, there is a lawsuit mm-hmm. filed by parents against Williamson County Schools of a, a child who, and I think it's a boy who thinks he's a girl, and I might have that backwards. And the uh, the parents are suing the school system because they will not let that child at, in third grade use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Of the gender that they identify as, not as the one he or she was born with. Um, so that's not waiting till even high. But I, I promise you this: of the questions that we were dealing with in two thousands, early two thousands, you know, in between, why are you listening to Nickelback? The the, the real pro- <laughs> pro- problems were were you know had nothing to do with seemingly obvious stuff mm-hmm. um, like like gender. <clears throat> like, or what are you guys hearing? In your circles right now, I mean, is it starting? Are you hearing rumblings of that with any of the families or families of families in, in your world, Joey? Yes, um, I get asked that question a lot about now um, friends and neighborhoods, um, children starting to transition, and I, I think with millennials. Again, we're dealing with millennial parents. Um, very communal, want to get to know their neighbors, want to have this deep desire to like, I want that street where kids play together and where we know each other, these great things. But again, you get engaged with other people's lives. And right now it seems like this divide on some of these core issues right. has, has expanded. And so they'll they'll ask like, well, the, the, the child my friend's been playing with, their family is now going through a transition. Um, their, their kid is going through a transition, which they're supportive of. Um, do I tell my kid they can't play with them anymore? Mm -hmm. And uh, again, they're very, uh, difficult questions because we're dealing with it from the, all the tools we've been handed in years past, you know, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I mean, I use this as an example even when I try to explain some things to, to my parents. I'll just say, hey, you know, you remember when you were a child, there may have been somebody LGBTQ in your community. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've – like the idea was there. They're yep. in our community that exist. Uh, came to kind of uh, Xers, millennials, our generation. You go, hey, yeah, it's it's at our school. We there's a, a certain group of students at our at our school. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're there. They're they're visible. They have a voice, like, um, but mar- marginalized. And then you go on. You grow up, and you go, well, now I have you know relationships. Like, hey, some friend came out. Some friend I've been friends with a long time. Um, so it's something that goes from an idea. It's became a person. It's became a person you are a friend with. So, you know, some of the tools we were given, you know, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, these things, you go, when when it's a friend, when it's a neighbor, mm-hmm, sure. and it conflicts with these other values that you have, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I want to do community, and uh, I don't want to ostracize, like, you go, how do I make these decisions now? And then, obviously, you add your own kids in there. You go, now I have to make a decision that... Um, as an adult, I wouldn't make this decision. I could stay in community with somebody. But you go, but a child, I'm, I don't think I can let them stay in community because mm-hmm. they're not the same. Um, a lot of these worlds and experiences are just colliding, and yeah. we're ma- making really tough decisions. Yeah, it's we're raising our children in Babylon, right? Like this is mm-hmm. what it – you know, even when you look back to Sodom and Gomorrah, it, it – it, Mentally, initially, you think of it like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, yeah. you know, like you know, yeah. Tina Turner running around in a cha- you know, in a chariot. That's you guys are old. I'm saying what that is, but um, <laughs> the but it wasn't. It was like L.A. Hmm. Like it was like it was New York. It was like this super progressive, desirable, prosperous city, and there is a tension that I. I mean, I confess that I'm not a hundred percent sure of what the answer is because you you know. So me growing up uh, and then raising my kids, you know, which are not that much younger than you guys are, quite honestly. Hmm. But, you know, I didn't want to isolate my kids. I didn't want them to grow up in a bubble. And so but but I also look back now and realize that um, there's this delicate dance between raising your kids in a bubble and also throwing your kids into a world where there is an agenda that is literally coming after them before they've found like foundational faith. Yep. Worldviews have been, you know, I mean, I uh, even between my four kids, which there's a 10-year, 11-year gap between my youngest and my oldest, the world changed in that 10 years, that the world that my son is in right now. So my son, for instance, right now is in a Christian school, and he's in a Christian school because the school that we had moved, even we'd chosen where we moved mm-hmm. based upon the desirability of the school. Mm-hmm. But that school is now being staffed by, by the way, a lot of really great teachers, a lot of really great educators, Mm -hmm. and a whole new crop of recently graduated 25-year-olds from UT with a very specific worldview of woke ideology. So it's no longer I'm just teaching you art. Like I'm actually teaching you a worldview recruiting. So there's – Yep. it's almost like where – this is where I've landed right now. If you're a teacher – if you're an educator, if you if you have, you know, because Joey's wife just recently mm-hmm. went to work at a school here in our community mm-hmm. um, as a counselor. Mm-hmm. And if you have a Christian worldview, get, go, do whatever you can. Go to work in those places as long as we oh, can, for, for as long sure. as we can. And at the same time, right now, if you, if you have the ability to take your kid out, like I would, 
I would do it. And I know that not every parent has that option, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I understand that that's just not a fair thing to say. And you're not less of a parent if you didn't or can't or, you know. Um, not at all. Not at all, not right? Because no. uh, we, by the way, we tried homeschooling. <laughs> oh, Lord. We were terrible. It's a lot. Terrible at it. So I, I got nothing but respect for the homeschool parents in our community. And, you know, Hannah Fratt, who runs a, a homeschool tutorial that meets in our, our building. I mean, literally nothing but respect because we were so terrible at it. But I also recognize right now that, you know, Joey getting them for, you know, an hour a week, Joel getting teenagers for an hour on a Wednesday is not enough when you've got, if, if there's an eight hour a day, you know, cause it's, yep. it, and, and as far as on the, the teenager side, I mean, that's something that you guys have had to figure out in a hurry too, not only in the students, but in the leaders that are speaking into the students' lives. We got to make sure that, yep. uh, mm-hmm. it used to, it was so, it was so much easier 20 years ago. Are, <laughs> are you a Christian? Do you believe the Bible, the word of God? I, pretty much everybody that was going to church would have said any one of those things, you know, mm-hmm, for sure. And now it's like, I need to know if you, if a seventh grader is telling me that I might be a boy, that you're not going to encourage them to explore that ideology yep. with it. I mean, so you guys, are you hearing it more from parents? Or are you hearing it direct from teenagers? Um, so we are actually hearing it more from the parents, um, raising concern. And what Joey said is so true. It's like the generation differences from going from the ideology to all the way down to now it's part of community. Um, and so one of the things that we're talking about with students, because parents are raising the concern, we definitely want to have that conversation with the students. Um, and they're, they're asking about it and don't get me wrong. Um, but one of the thing we're, things we're talking about and talking through is the fact that you might have a stance on how it should be played out, but the truth is your student actually has to live it out. Like that's good. You you have a belief based off what this is, but your student in the public school system is actually sitting at the table with a person who has a very different stance. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we're talking through, um, and, and deeper, and have talked about it a lot, it, it very extensively, is what does it mean to actually sit down and have a conversation but do so in love um, and do so out of a, a means of actually listening to the person. Cause the truth is they have a story, right? They have traumas. They have things that they're dealing with. They have reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. Um, it's not just, it's not just idiocy. It's not just lack of logic or, or knowledge uh, behind their decision. Sometimes it is, I'm not saying that, but uh, so a lot of the conversations we have is, okay, how can you have that conversation but also bring that conversation back to exposing the truth and exposing the truth of who Jesus is to that person in a loving way, in a way that is not condemning, in a way that is not, well, your idea is dumb. I don't believe in you. Like we're not, we can't be friends, those types of conversations. And what Joey was saying is uh, the fact that it's a part of the community, um, they are being challenged. And, And here's where I'm encouraged in that is because, you know, this conversation is, fairly new in the sphere of community for these teenagers. Um, Like this has become a hot take issue fairly recently. And so for our teenagers specifically, they've already had a a predetermined stance really on it. And so a lot of it is kind of like, well, this doesn't make sense. And so they're trying to gather more information regarding the topic. Right. And so um, to make a, a logical stance on what they believe to be truth, um, and so in that, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is the fact that um, they're, they're not necessarily 
at least in our context of our church, they're not necessarily being challenged or, or even manipulated into those types of decisions. They're more trying to understand, well, how did they get to that decision? One, and then two, if they came to that decision logically, how as a believer do I operate in a relationship with this person mm-hmm. and do so in love and respect towards that person and, and careful understanding of there's hot issues that are going to uh, set them off, but there's also truth that needs to be said in those conversations. Yeah. yeah we're in a world that is, I mean, I remember Josh McDowell in the nineties warning about the post truth world. And, and we're here now. And I was, I had a conversation last week with Bobby Harrington, who is a pastor up the street and he runs a nationally known organization, discipleship.org. Yeah. And what they are shifting to right now. And many pastors are, in discipleship is actually part of the discipleship is how do you live in a uh, persecuted Christian mm-hmm. world? Um, and it, it, when you put persecution on a spectrum, you know, nobody's pulling our fingernails out. Nobody's burning our houses down, but that isn't the only definition of, of persecution. Nope. Um, j- literally just this last week, uh, NBC news released a poll um, that, Basically, uh, the, 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 the uh, title of the article is there's a new political divide. Nearly half of college students would not room with someone who votes differently mm-hmm. than they do. Mm-hmm. Now, but here's what's interesting, and this is crazy. You know, classic NBC News. They bury the lead deep into it. Mm-hmm. And that's that uh, it's basically a 50-50 split when they just ask the college students, so I would not. But if you go into a secular, progressive, uh, a Democrat-specific it's actually 70% of them mm-hmm. that said that they would not vo- uh, roommate with someone who didn't mm-hmm. uh, vote. Like, and, and when yeah. they say vote, it's like think like we think because that's what they're saying. Yeah, they actually – I wouldn't vote, but then they're actually attaching in the definition of what a vote is is it's about Christian values. Yep. And interestingly enough, uh, it was only 30% of conservatives that said that I would not roommate with someone who did not think like I think. Mm-hmm. So the point being that in a in, – in, Someone is, you know, is going to get their underwear in a wad because I'm equating being a Democrat with being uh, not being a Christian, and, and that's that's not it. If you read the definition of what they're saying, the political why they would vote this, this is not a Democrat versus Republican. It's mm-hmm. a Christian versus non-Christian worldview, conservative versus uh, progressive, it, and that means then that there are things that if, like me saying that a man cannot have a baby is not a courageous thing to say. Uh, it's not even. But it's uh, it shouldn't be controversial because it's actually scientific. But that's considered super controversial hmm. right, right now. But it's still true. And so, if the goal of saying, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if if the if the idea if if someone thinks that saying it in love means that they're not going to be mad at me, that's not an accurate no response. And so, part of the discipleship no. thing now is to, to is to say to them everything you just said. Right, say it in love, in kindness. It's mm-hmm. true, and they still might be angry at you. Oh, and yeah, you still, definitely. You still yes. get, uh, and that that's a part of of discipleship right now. That uh, we didn't have to really uh, learn that when I was no. growing up. Like it was, and I'll say I'll say the opposite's true too. Like, you know, from my experience, and and this was really convicting to me personally. I was thinking through this topic a lot, because um, I, I mean it's part of our ministry. Um, way more prevalent than it ever was, but 
it's the same for Christians. Like when we have an ideology that yep. is challenged, we also get offended. And it's like our response is only going to get mirrored. And so how are we as believers, even though we are being challenged by the opposing and, and we know the truth, yeah. um, how are we responding based off that challenge? Like I, I see so many people on Facebook and I'm not saying necessarily part of our church. Uh, maybe some, some of them are part of our church. <laughs> yeah, you maybe some. That where you just put someone on blast mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, like you are creating more division than you are creating mm-hmm. uh, a room to sharpen each other room yeah. to actually have the conversation on the, on the divide. Um, that's, um, that's interesting. Cause so that's what, that's what Bobby is saying. How do we live in a post Christian persecuted world, which is that? So that means you're going to be you're going to be put on blast, but what is your response to that? Is it blast? Yeah. You're responding blast with blast. I think one of the challenges, I think, with with teenagers and parents, talk about this divide that who talks about it more. Yes, it's. I, I would also say, yeah, it's it's parents that talk about it more um, because the experiences of a teen, of a kid, um, over and over. I mean, their experiences. I'm sitting at a science table. Yeah, like doing. I have a lab partner. And you're focused on like learning and things. Your your political divides, your religious divides, like having having uh, an Eastern kid as your science, you know, your lab partner is a is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Having some you know some family that highly values education, yeah, you're going to get a good grade. You're going. I'm, I'm going to get a good grade. <laughs> There's these things. I had this awesome experience in in South Asia. This uh, you know about a year and a half ago. But um, it was the first time that I had been in, in, in three different countries in a row, a Buddhist, a Hindu, and a Muslim country. But I, what I kept thinking was every cab I get into, my driver is one of these other three worldviews. Like there are so many things we have not, very, very little in common about as far as these political mm-hmm. and religious worldviews. Uh, every restaurant, you know, my, my waiter and the person who cooked my food. Like all, all down the line, you have all these social encounters. And you're like these political and whatever religious divides couldn't be greater. But in like the day to day, you're like, my Definitely. server was really kind. Mm-hmm. We looked each other in the eye. Mm-hmm. I give him a good tip. Like you want, man, this we had all these awesome social engagements, interactions. Um, so I think parents and when you look at it on a social media, even sphere and news sphere, you're going, you know, all these divides and we think these opposite things. But at the lower end, you're like, there's relationship. I walk mm-hmm. around a school like that's my lab partner. I sit with them in class. We have gym together. We've been friends. Oh, I know that kid. They're very yeah. different than we were in third grade, but we're friends. So I think that's even a thing that the teenagers struggle um, that I've seen or really not struggle. They, I think we're talking about it as more of a big deal than they are. Yeah. Yeah, We're viewing it from these big divides and they're like, I walked through my school. Uh, We're not thinking about this in every conversation, Yeah, but the, the social and the news would make you think that this is the only way that that's, that's how you walk up to a person. Mm -hmm. How much different are we are? Could I even have a friendship with them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that, so as I think about it as a, so I'm 51, so I'm, I'm over half of a century. I got a few years on you guys. Um, the, some of what I as a parent and as a pastor, like our job is to look not to the now, but to the future, which yes. by the way, we're really bad at predicting the future. Yes, we are. And at the same time, something that is 100% true uh, and, and is now like on record 
uh, from like executives from Disney, executives from Netflix, executives uh, from Amazon, that they literally are viewing their job in entertainment as shifting the the cultural Absolutely. ideas. Like they're evangelizing mm-hmm. us. And so what you're probably experiencing from the parents is uh, this view of the divide, but it's a, like, what do we do to counteract that with our kids? Because so well, gr- we, we see it and the kids don't. When you turn on Disney Plus and there's a whole row of what month it is and what their agenda is and – and they chose to make it that, you know, you got this little streaming bars here. Here's the mm-hmm. things that, according to what you watch, you should watch this. And you go, nothing we've watched would have said that this bar should be the third one down that my kids have to scroll through, see these images, the, the yep. message over and over again. Like, we've not given them that, like, mm-hmm. through the shows we've watched on Netflix or, or Disney Plus. But it's the third bar down there. Yeah. And w- the parents going, I see that. There's an agenda. There's a plan. They want us to click on that. Do they want it? Do they want my kid to click on that when I'm not watching it with them? And but you go, we do. We are their parents. Our kids don't see it. Mm-hmm. They they're not viewing it from that lens. Yeah. And you're going, no. They there is a plan. Uh, I think we think with kind of social world now with teenagers. Oh well, teen set culture. Like, oh, well, because of how young social is, oh, well, they, they're setting the culture. You've worked behind bands for years. Yep. Did, did every cool and trendy band, who were they, what was their look and sound decided by? Was it by the 16-year-old Haley? Was oh, Paramore? No. It wasn't yeah. decided by Haley, even though he said, wow, trendsetter. She's young. She, look, she could lead them. But y'all knew the behind, that those things were decided for her. <laughs> yep. No, so, I, I vividly remember a show in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana in, golly, 2007, maybe? Uh, Miley Cyrus, this was the Best of Both Worlds tour. Um, and the Everlife girls were open. Yeah. So Amber, my assistant yeah. now, Jeremy has a <laughs> uh, And back, so back then, so Miley, she would have been, I don't know, 16? Um and Disney, uh, there was a there was a length of skirt. This was hilarious, right? In the middle, we're in, as a church, we've been like dealing with modesty standards, yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Disney was dealing with that in like uh, two thousand eight, maybe. And Miley was. This is my memory of it. So if someone happens to remember this differently, know that I could be remembering some of the details wrong. But she had a little uh, a rip in a skirt or something. So she, you know, there's like a hundred wardrobe changes. So she comes out of the little thing with his skirt on that was not as long as what Disney wanted. Mm-hmm. And the uh, people were, oh, no, you can't get on stage with that. You can't. And so she's 16, okay? Mm-hmm. Every one of the 13 semis sitting out back have her name on them. Mm-hmm. The 14 tour buses <laughs> yeah. were all. And she just, you know, she did what a 16-year-old would do. Why well, am I going on stage then? <laughs> and, I mean. I, I love s- that, I actually. S- I swear to you, on stage is the band. Yep. Like, this is the encore, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, Miley's not feeling very good. Let's like see, let's see if we can cheer her on and make her feel better. You know, the background singers they're doing little mm-hmm. grooves and whatever. And, and she's back there. And you know what happened? Is she went on stage with that sh- this the mm-hmm. skirt that was, and and the reason it wasn't inappropriate, it was inappropriate, was that if you're on the front row, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have to look very far to you know. And she's 16, like it was. Yep. But the point was that there, she was taking her cues. This is to answer your question, yeah. Joey. 
when you're 16, um, your your brain is not fully formed, right? Mm-mm. When you're a 17 year old male, like it's one of the things I tell my son, I need you to depend on my frontal lobe a little bit here because yours <laughs> is not fully formed yet. So, mm-hmm. um, but so you're taking your cues off of the older mm-hmm. people that came before you, and she saw Brittany, she saw. Madonna, who saw, I mean, you could literally go down the chain yep. of, of how to get attention and how to sell records and how to break out of this bubble, whatever. And, um, but, but at the same time, behind the scenes, there are what you're saying, which is executives making decisions on what will sell, mm-hmm. what won't sell. And in the Disney world at that point, it was the exact opposite. They were still trying to sell to parents mm-hmm. uh, because the parents are the ones buying the tickets, not the kids. Yep. Um, and by the way, that, that was a tour where uh, Billy Ray Cyrus was... It was brilliant, brilliant move. That guy's not getting nearly enough credit. He was touring every city, playing a, a, a country, like a club in downtown, whatever the city was. And the encore was he do, he would do a duet with with Miley. Mm-hmm. So he would literally hustle the bus over from whatever club he was at and do that last song. And at that point, the, the little girls are not screaming anymore. It's the moms. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm standing in the pit, and my I'm with Shannon. And Billy Ray Cyrus comes out, and look, I can, I mean, of an unblemished record of heterosexuality. He's a hot, he's hot. So he comes out <laughs> and he says, uh, he comes out to his little song, and my wife loses uh, her mind. She's oh, so, I'm course. like, Shannon, I'm standing right here. Yep. But anyway, uh, in that s- entire scenario, I, you get to see this whole machine and mechanism of how to design a, uh, uh, the, <laughs> that you're trying to sell an idea. Uh, and I would say maybe, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. That was a little very long word. That's why Mo is usually here. He keeps me on target. Um, <laughs> is that you have uh, now the difference between then was back then we were trying to sell records. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now they're trying to sell an idea. Yep. And that's different. Um, so some of the parents' concerns are legitimate. For sure. Right? Yeah. But but what you're saying, which I'm really glad you're here, is that our, our response to that, even if it's a legitimate concern, if we're responding with hate, if we're responding with a lot of yelling a lot of uh, Facebook posts that are all caps. Um, yep. Like that's not solving anything. Yeah. Um, and ultimately we're trying to teach them to navigate. Yeah. Like uh, you, you yeah. navigate. I think that's one of the things I love about with uh, Jeremiah and, you know, in, in the scripture of even what God told the people, you're going to go into Babylon and you should want the best for Babylon mm-hmm. because it, when they thrive, when Babylon thrives, yeah. you will thrive too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you're not going in going, oh, I hope Babylon burns. Burn, burn baby, burn. We're intense yeah. by the river, and I hope Babylon burns. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it is a tough balance. So ultimately, it's a tough balance. Yep. But It is, and I'll say this because it's important. Um, Miley was a 16-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. She, she started when she was 12 or 13, whatever. Uh, our culture— you know, did a lot of damage to her, hurt her in ways mm-hmm. that uh, because of what we expected out of, you know. So, the Miley's and the Beavers, they, they've they've yeah. written songs now, like Literally. we've seen on display. Yeah, like, for sure. Like these, and they're incredible because you go, look, we what didn't we, know this happened. Look yeah. what we did to them. And yeah. they now have songs about what we did to them. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, but, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because you're monetizing a person, not a, not a product. But when you are, Coming like so, Babylon's such a great example. There's that scripture. Uh, I think it's oh man, which prophet? We sat by the shores. I think it's song. We sat by the shores of Babylon, uh, by by the river, and we wept. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a point where they had to wipe the tears, 
dust off their shoes, go back into town, and be followers of Jehovah. The, the, yep. you know, the seventy-year captivity when they were in Babylon, um, and so you see guys like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They had influence in the culture. Now they paid a steep price for it. They did right, but they were they didn't sit around and try to burn the city down. And by the way, ultimately it was God using un, you know ungodly leaders to send them back to rebuild the city and to you know finally re, you know read the word of God again. All those things. So it's you know for. It's, you know, on September 8th, Rod Dreher is going to be here. Um, he wrote a book called Live Not By Lies, which is one of the most important books of our modern era. Uh, and the simple premise is that in a totalitarian regime, it's not that you have to tell a lot of lies. It's just you have to live as if the lie is true. Yep. Um, but but Dreher's first book was called Benedict Option. And his idea was uh, he, he, has, he comes from an orthodox background. And so his idea was because of what we're talking about right now, the best thing to do is pull, go, go Benedictine and go like move mm-hmm. into the country and which I don't know. It's Retreat, like, he, yeah. but yeah, that's what David Koresh did. So technically that doesn't work out real well when, and by the way, it's not a, it's not a biblical idea either to go back into the country and hide mm-hmm. until the storm blows over. What you're saying is right, Joey, we've got to go into the city, pray for it to prosper, be a part of it, knowing that we might pay a steep price in the process of it, that that's not, popularity is not the goal, that truth and, and love is the goal. Mm-hmm. And how do we, as leaders, how do we, how do we disciple kids in Babylon? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the premise we've talked through with, especially our public school kids is how this idea of like, how do you be in the world, but not of the world? Um, and that's the truth. I mean, like we tell our parents, especially the ones that are concerned with all these issues going into public school, this is a mission field. Like that's, that's just the truth of what it is. Your kid, your kid has to be like, have the foundational truth to be able to go into these schools and have conversations. But at the same time, that's not every conversation they're having. That's just not like, this is not overwhelming them. This is not um, bombarding them. Um, Often it's, it's one conversation a day, maybe Mm -hmm. if that, and it's maybe in passing or they'll see a kid having a conversation it's definitely in their world. I'm not saying that, but it's it's a passing or it's it's um, a part of their day, but not their whole day. So we just said, right, that part of our job as leaders and parents is to look to the future and see the issues that they don't see. Let's yep. let's flip the script now. What are the issues that they are seeing that they are? So they're, they're, that's an issue that's coming up once a day or whatever. What is like a regular part of their lives right now? So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of, you know, we, we try to do watch kind of some family shows, whether it's. You know, you try to watch game shows. Like, there's this something of like community. You know, one of the ways we fight back on the phones is like, well, you know, we're still we're still all exhausted from the day, <laughs> so it's yeah. not like uh, you yeah. know, let's go play in the yard. But um, you sit there, hey, we'll watch we'll watch a show together. Game shows. It's fun. Our my kids are old enough where they can try to do you know. Um, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. You can do it. Right. Maybe not um, the Steve Harvey the, ones. <laughs> but these, you know, the, again, these hilarious commercials come up. There's one about a. Um, Erectile dysfunction, I'll say it. But yeah. it has a broken carrot on it. And my Griffin, my son, eight years old, is cracking up. He's like, why is there a medicine for broken carrots, bent carrots? And we're just laughing. And Jackie and I, of course, we look at each other. But you look at every commercial, you're going, yep. all right. So we've we almost got this practice. You, you, you watch a show. You see a contestant that comes on there that describes their, their life and their relationships, their, their things. And so we've we've created this habit of, you know what? You hit pause. You say, "Hey, 
what are you seeing here? Mm-hmm. Like, like, give them a chance to ask the question or give them the chance to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we have to teach them to navigate. We have to teach them that when they come to that conversation, they're not surprised by it. No. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, I've heard the language. I've thought through this first. Um, we've had to, we've dealt with it. And, but not out of fear of like, hey, because guess what? After the next commercials are going to come on, and and what you're trying to tell parents is, you can try to to create a world where they just can't see anything, but they they will come they to will. a time where the yeah. ad's going to come. The thing, isn't that actually what we're? That's that's what parenting actually is. Yes. Like you're preparing them to be an adult that will be independent, that will make all these decisions. But we've just learned that simple thing of like, you know, you hit pause. Hey, this person on the show just described their family and their relationship dynamic. Yeah. And you go, hey, so what what did you hear them say? Um what 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 do we believe? What what does God say is is the how he designed it, a marriage or a thing? We ask them those questions. We have to process it with them. And and I, I what I love about doing this at again at an elementary school age and, and encouraging parents to do is they'll still ask you. Yeah. Like Guys, deal with the stuff now while they'll still ask you. Don't wait till that's they really, won't ask you. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really, so good. really good advice. If you did not, if you were like tone, like tuning out because you're driving, like listen to that. Ask the questions. Engage those questions while they're still asking you. Yeah. What age do you think it is when they uh, when that they shift gears and they don't they're not asking mom and dad anymore? So I I, I would say so. I, Joel, you answer this too. I, I say thirteen. I was going to say 13 too. I mean, that's even like a biblical thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think even, you know, the, the Jews had, had come across, hey, when when does a boy or girl become a man or a woman and they take on the world for themselves? They take on the law. Yeah. You know, they're 13 I, I, years old. I would say at 13 is when they begin to process their their questions with their friends rather than their parents. And that's one thing we've been talking about with our parents is to explore the I don't know stage. Because, mm-hmm. and, and you are going to have to be intentional with pursuing your student after 13 because... Yeah. They are, they are already processing the, processing those things and those things are, are those conversations are already happening between them and their friends, um, but you are going to have to begin to ask the questions. They're not going to come with the questions to you. They might if they do. That's awesome, and if they come with a question or they ask you a question that you just have zero clue about, that is amazing because what you have the opportunity to do is sit down with them and begin to explore that topic together, and that's what discipleship is i mean it's like sitting down with your student or with your teenager and and having a conversation and being vulnerable and saying like you know what i don't have all the answers to this but i want to and i want to pursue this topic with you so let's go sit down with someone who does right let's go let's go explore this um, more with someone who has a a more professional information or whatever but uh, but you're answering another part of the question which is well how do you find out Mm -hmm. i mean that in that That's what the the fifty year old the 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 fifty and sixty year old man the half timers they're like, I don't know if I ever found out how to find out until now. Yep. And so again, but parent, your job is not to have every answer not or to know all. every not cultural yep. context or know every subword or mm-hmm. like you're not. You nobody keeps up with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every trendy, I mean, every you know young youth pastor becomes an old youth pastor or a pastor. <laughs> And they hit a point, and I'm I'm there. I'm 39. You walk in, you go, I don't know the lingo. I don't know it anymore. And yeah. I can try to fake it. I can try to learn it. But at the end, you just go, 
I, if anything, where the parents help them, if you don't don't you don't have to know the answer. Mm-mm. Y'all go on a journey together on how to find out the answer. Mm-hmm. That's it, actually teaching them. And the truth is, like, they might come to a different conclusion. We talked about this in our parent tip video for the month. It's on YouTube um, if you want to go check that out. Um, we talked about this idea of, like, it, when you explore the I don't know and the teen comes to a different conclusion than you, that is okay, okay? They are exploring truth. That is the win. You can tell them the truth, and if you have a different belief, um, as long as it's biblical, um, bringing it back to the Bible. But it's okay because in that process, they're learning that you're a safe place. You're a place where they can have the conversation. They can wrestle through topics. And if you are meeting their conclusion with, oh, well, you're wrong. Oh, well, that you're, you just don't know you're 16. Oh, you just don't know the, uh, all the information or whatever. You're discouraging them from actually being vulnerable with where they're at. And the truth is, as they explore the I don't know, they're going to begin to form the I do knows. They're going to be able to explore that to the extent because the truth doesn't stop at a half-baked truth. Mm-hmm. It has to be the full truth. Right. And so in that, as they're exploring... Yes, they're 16. They're going to come to conclusions where you're like, uh, you just, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but they're 16 and they're exploring it. And that is a huge win. And they're, ex- if they're exploring it with you, like cheer them on. Celebrate That's that awesome. for sure. That is so cool. I think one of the, what, what I've as a pastor have been surprised by, and even recently surprised, but is when as a parent, we have this idea of, well, I'm, I don't want to talk to them about that until they're quote unquote ready for it. Mm-hmm. And we have decided whatever age is ready based upon our own. Mm-hmm. And what that has done and what it will do is you allow their, their, uh, their friends, their social media, their yep. whatever, they beat you to the punch. So you're actually starting from behind the eight ball instead of on top of it. Um, cause if you think about it, th- we've had conversations, uh, about different things or whatever, but they're just parents that will, you know, they withhold their kids cause they're not quote unquote ready for that yet. Yep. And as a parent, I get that, but wouldn't you rather you be the first one that they hear, oh, absolutely. you know, language from as far as like, I love what you're talking about. Like this, fa- I just saw this family on a commercial here. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you see with that? What did you experience? Like those are the, when they're seven, eight, nine years old, because maybe they didn't see it, but they did see it. And there's a normalization even where you get to say, you know, uh, what did you experience with that? Giving them a safe place to be able to have that conversation while you're still their hero. Mm -hmm. Um, Why they, why they still believe you. (laughs) Yeah. Why they still believe you. And that's one thing I love that Joey says is these haunting truths, these truths that you teach them when they're little, that just kind of, so, um, yeah, yeah let me, let me, so, uh, what you said there, I think is so, uh, I've, I've got this kind of this idea and I, 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 I wish it would come to something in fruition, but just this idea <laughs> that truths of the child, they become these foundational truths. I think of these, these stones and you go, oh, well, what are these, the stones that become the foundation for my kid? It one, you're giving your kid these stones, whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. So make sure you know what they are and make sure you know what you want to pass on to them. Because they go into the next stage, the teenager stage, and the world, I, and I use this kind of as the built your house, you know, life built on the rock. The storm comes for the person who built their house on the rock or the sand either way. The storm always comes. The storm's coming. Yeah. So do you want the, this foundation that the world and these things will come and will pound against their stones and their foundations? And you go, I want my foundational truths to be what the world has to dislodge. 
And if it if the if the if what's holding these stones together is relationship and grace and and Jesus, if the mortar is what is these these blocks are like they're static truths, you know, the Bible is God's word, they're static. But what holds it together is like it's Jesus, it's grace, it's your relationship. And I'm going, I want the world, I want this foundation to be so solid that it comes and knocks against theirs, but it is hard work for it to knock those for stones sure. out. Mm. What so much we realize, and you have this job as a as a, a pastor for, for adults, is I feel like I'm having to destroy other people's foundation stones. Mm-hmm. I have to go and I have to chisel out their ungodly foundations. And I go, man, this is hard. And that's what youth pastors feel too. They go, wow, I've got to go and I got to bust up some stuff first. But the idea is there are, there's foundational truth, these things. But even when you share truth with your kid, this is my experience and other people is there are, um, there is also truth that it haunts you. Like, that that truth that that has has been put within you it may not be part of your foundational but through your life you go and you experience things you go man this this truth is chasing me it's in the back of my mind always this idea well, my you know and that's this is what i feel sad for millennials and z's the the xers at least still had little bible grandma or a large percentage of them yeah. i had bible grandma and if i go to her house i'm going to get a meal She's she's gonna take me to church, yep. and every time she talks to me, she says she prayed for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and she it, did. You yeah. still had that where, like, I can go home and it. it I feel sorry. I, I feel saddened for kind of the the Z and these Alpha. I go, they don't have little grandma. That there's just always this thing. I can always go home if it all falls apart. Yeah. I can go home, yeah. hmm. and what that was that little like grandma. So I'm saddened by that. But um, that was a long answer. But but can we be the parents that become that home? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is we, that what it means to we, disciple in Babylon? We are that home now. It, as it is. It is. You you are. And but but I think what you're seeing these things that that I think we've talked about is it's not just that you like have the the truth set. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. the relationship because you're. Because what's, what's your saying. grandmother going to do? Like that little grandmother, like she's going to cook me a meal. She's going to sit at the table, and she's going to. Don't you know? Grandmas ask the questions that are uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> and you go, "Oh, my grandmother always asks. She asks about my relationships, all the stuff. They'll ask all the blunt stuff. That's what little yeah. grandmas do." And I guess you that's go, what I mean. This is the long, ga- the long game, right? A thirty, oh. like you know, you and Jackie, you're not thinking about being grandparents. But well, someday you are. Right. Right. Like Mo, yeah. Grandpa Mo. Grandpa Mo. 41, you're like 41 years old. Um, but that's the the long game of this. Uh, if, if we're raising and discipling in Babylon is to become little, you know, outposts of the kingdom of God where. Absolutely. Not only your kids, but now your kids, kids, you know, be, be, we become that for them. Again. Right. Because you're right. That's like, I, you know. I, I guess what am I? Am I a Gen X? What am I? You're an X. You're X. X. Yeah. I don't know. I lose track. Um, <laughs> You're very much an X, which is which is pretty funny. <laughs> you are very much a Gen X, like by my age or by no, my just vibe. All, all the all the things. Just yeah, everything. All the things. That, is pretty that, awesome. Is it a compliment? I feel like I'm being no. I feel it's like I'm being trolled you know here. It, no. It's it's just it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to see. Yeah. Like when people draw out these things and the paradigms and or the stuff, and you go. It's good. They it's nail good. us, and it's 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 fun when they nail us. <laughs> Is that an X thing? I just thought we listened to a lot of Nirvana. Like I thought that was our whole. No, vibe, you're but... very much an Xer. Huh. It's, it's awesome. Fascinating. 
Um, what is the one thing that you guys wish that parents knew hmm. about your job? You know, everybody has their job and you're like, man, if they just knew, yeah, like, you know, like if all the, the, the social media now, the Starbucks people griping about the, the long orders or whatever. But I don't think about that. I just, you know, this is what I wanted to drink. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to like ruin somebody's day by ordering a chai tea latte for my wife. But what is it like in your lives that you wish a parent knew about your job? I'll go first. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because this wasn't my ministry at first, which was kind of a huge blunder. But we learn. We learn around here um, that my job is to support the parent. It is not to babysit the teen. Um, you know, Joey and I have conversation all the time about, like, what are our ministry's goals? Like, what's the vision? What do we want to accomplish in our students? For sure. I'm not saying that. But, um, you know, when you really think about youth ministry in a whole and where we're going, what we're doing, that the national average is I get a student for 52 hours in a week or in a, in a year, excuse me, um, which is nothing compared to a parent. And so we've really tried to switch our gear as a ministry to be able to support the parents. So they're the ones that are, are the disciple. Like we talk about this all the time. They're the ones that, that have the true influence of their kid. You, you as the parent are the one that is in the trenches daily, you are fighting the battles. You are having the conversations. You are you are really spurring your teen on into love. And obviously, there's a lot of brokenness because you're as a parent, you're broken. As a human, everyone's broken. Um, and but we would love so much for you guys to know that we are a resource for you. We have all the the small group leaders. All of our small group leaders are creating safe places for your students. But we're also trying to to really uphold or bolster up, encourage, and come alongside of our parents to be able to give them the tools to navigate these hard conversations, to uh, also communicate on a, on a two-way front with the teen, to to really encourage them that, like, your parent, your parent's the main person, and we're here to love you and to encourage you, but we're also going to have hard conversations with you, and if there needs to be a hard conversation between the student and the parent, like, we're on the parent side, um... And so re- really trying to encourage our parents um, in that way. So, hmm. Joey? Um, That's good. I just want to share something that the Lord taught me maybe it was uh, two or three years ago and had to do with youth ministry, but um, I, I think it, it changed my perspective of just even how I looked at kids, teenagers, and, and ministry in general. Um I've been in in youth ministry um, and youth and kids ministry for almost 20 years now because I was an 18, 19 year old youth pastor. So, um, but I, it was like it was literally three years ago, and I was walking into it was here at Conduit. It was youth on a on a Wednesday night, and the Holy Spirit just like pinged me with like this thought. Um, that's how I always say experience of like not not trying to make it too prophetic or visions, but I, I always get these fully formed thoughts. So it's like here, and I, I can see the full picture. It's not visual, but this full thought. And I, I sat there, and the Holy Spirit told me, you're walking around this room, and for all these years, you've been asking yourself, I wonder if they like you. Mm. Like, I, you've been going, man, do they, I, am I relating to these kids? Do they like me? Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit goes, why haven't you been asking yourself this whole time does every kid that you talk to know that you like them? Oof. Like, that they're thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Does this guy like me? Is, can, is he expressing that? 
Wow. And it rocked me. It rocked me. Wow. And so it started, it changed how I went. I mean, I go wow. to, I go to uh, like little dance recitals and I, I can look at these kids up on stage <laughs> and I feel, and I have kids this age now. So it's, it, some of it comes with having kids of the same thing, but I look and I go, man, I just, a, a new thing of, of ministry that you go, man, I just, I want these kids to know so how, good. how much I love them. Mm-hmm. I'm for them. Parents, um, Parents always come to us with their weaknesses, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, we're not—we're really struggling. My kid is not getting this, and uh, faith is so easy for this child for not." And I'm like, "Your mm. child is great. Fantastic, You're yeah. doing great. This stuff is so hard. We're for you. Your weaknesses and your thing like mm-hmm. that is not disqualifying for us as we're dealing with you. Like I promise." Like we we love you, we like you, like we're <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, but God rocked me with that. But it's changed how I've how I've ministered. Um, but I've I've seen that that same thing that um, hmm. with with our ministry and others of just like we know we know what this is. It's real people, and you leave church on Sunday, and you get in a car, and you go home, and you have bedtimes and dinners and book, you know backpacks. Um, we love you. <laughs> no, that's really powerful. No, like, that was really good. Just from the perspective of, because I don't know if you've ever been in a, a church where, like, does this pastor even like me? Like, I've told you my stories of that. But, uh, oh, that's right. You yeah, did. I, I you can't had a mention guy. names. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We won't, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember I, I left the whole time. And he was a really, he was a good youth master of all these things. But I was like, I'm not sure if he likes me. Yeah. Hmm. And I was like, what? And what is that? And it bothered, it always bothered me. Yeah. I felt like I was an interruption of the guy's work. Mm-hmm. Like I was an imposition into, you know, and I, I was like the volunteer youth pastor. I'm yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of in your way right now. Um, hmm. And, you know, for me, what, and I'm sure I don't do this well across the board, but I, I sort of took that lesson forward with was um, like God called like like for you guys sitting in this room, like God has a calling on each of your lives and it is not to fulfill my calling. Mm-hmm. Like you you are not a stepping stone mm-hmm. for me to get to the platform that, that I need or whatever. Like we are all in the kingdom. So, you know, finding where we have unity around beliefs and things that, you know, where we can all, you know, that's what the mm-hmm. creed is about. We, But then saying, look, you know, God's got a calling on, you know, Joel that, is, is Joel's calling. And, you know, my gig, it's, it's why being an artist manager turned out to be incredibly good training. I never wrote a song. I never, thank goodness, right? Um, but I, I, are you, is that true? That I never wrote a song? You never wrote a song? That's actually not true. Okay. That's what I'm saying. You said that. <laughs> I know. And I was like, there's not true. Now, all of our uh, conduit deeper fans need to go find these yeah, songs and we need be, to get those on Spotify. Though they're not anywhere near Asa. Spotify. Well, I'm saying, yeah. put them on Spotify. No, it was bad. This is, this is your homework. Teenagers, actually, if you're listening to this, find Darren's old songs. You won't be able to. So, We're getting them on Spotify. Um, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. It was so unsuccessful that there aren't even, <laughs> uh, that, that there were not, uh, there are no copies. Now that said, oh, okay. I never like not being talented. I didn't let it stop me. Like I was out there leading worship for like Southern Baptist Super Summers for like yeah. uh, 90, 91, 92. Yeah, cranking out some Pharaoh Pharaoh, you know, yeah. worship stuff, and uh, and then you know, eventually, obviously, realized that this is this is this future is not good for me. But um, but in the in this world, like I don't need to write Joel sermons. 
Mm-hmm. I get to be a part of doing my best to help unpack. And this is something very wise that someone said to me when I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do as a pastor. But he's like, you know, as an artist manager, you're basically, you're sitting with an artist, you're trying to figure out what their calling is and what they're supposed to do. And then your gig is to, you know, help them accomplish that goal. And that's kind of what a pastor does. You just add a sermon once a week. And it was like mind blowing for me. Hmm. And that is the job, whether it's in the, on a Sunday, but whether it's you guys or, or Mo or, or Micah or, you know, the, we are all a part of the same kingdom. And, you know, um, anyway, I like you guys. That's what I'm trying to say. I like you. Do I really like, like you. you. <laughs> I like you. All your Gen X. We like you. Yeah, all you my Gen X. I'm still kind of hurt on that. I'm not sure what that means. Um, maybe that's because the Gen Xers are all so self-absorbed and so insecure and angsty. You know, I don't know. Um <laughs> Hey, this is uh, you have uh, you have just squandered another hour of your week listening to a deeper yep. <laughs> podcast. So hopefully it was a good use of your time this week. Uh, we are online conduitchurch.com. If you're in the Nashville area, we would love to have you join us at what are our service times? Nine, nine, and, 11. nine and eleven. Um, two services uh, on Sundays. Uh, we're just super grateful for those of you that listen. Um, one of the ways that you could actually help us with this is, and this sounds so desperate and I hate it when other people do it, but like, if you just like, like, like the, uh, the podcast on your thing, put a, put a review on it, give us some stars. Uh, we've, there are people listening to this. It's actually, we, sometimes we forget we're broadcasting, which you're like, no kidding. You, you just you use language. Like you've clearly forgotten you're broadcasting, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there are people out there and we're so mm-hmm. grateful for you. Um, uh, when you share it, when you, uh, comment on it, when you even email Mo, uh, it just, it's super meaningful for us to, to know that you're out there. And so, uh, and to, uh, Joel, to Joey, thank you for giving up, especially on a Wednesday. Cause you guys got me you're both working tonight. Like this, this yes, is you know, a big night. So I appreciate you giving up an hour, uh, to, to do this this morning. I know I'm a parent, so I know that there are other parents that are going to be just as grateful as I am uh, that you guys took this week. So thank you for listening and, uh, we'll catch you back either on Sunday or next week on the next, uh, deeper.